So they do say having a kidney stone is the closest thing that a male can feel to giving birth or the pain of childbirth. I've heard that saying. Yeah. Why, why are you asking me that question, man? Well, you've never given birth. Yeah. No, but you have had, was your third set of kidney stones last week? Uh, add another one to that. This is my fourth kidney stone. Fourth kidney stone. Yeah. If you've been following us on the, I uh, made a little post on our Instagram, because uh, if you're wondering where we were last week, I had a uh, kidney stone attack two weeks ago today driving home from work felt a severe pain in my back drove home it's in your back it feels like your it's, back. it's your like back flank area okay if that makes sense and yeah i could have driven myself to the hospital then i would have kind of been stuck at the hospital so i drove myself fiance was home working from home that hey i have a kidney stone can you drive me to the hospital and then and there we go so she could drop you off. She she Back. dropped me off and then kind of went into the room. I was only there for like three hours, I would say. Okay. Because what, what you, that initial pain, I don't really know. I've heard of some people like power, powering through that. I can't imagine that. So <laughs> uh, I need like the, the, the drugs that they keep in the hospitals. Do you get an epidural? No, they don't. They don't do that. What kind of questions are these? Well, I just know that you kidney. know anything about kidney stones. I know a little bit about childbirth. So okay. So what they want to give you is what they give NFL players, and that is Toradol. Oh, I was gonna say steroids. No, good point. And that's a muscle relaxer. And for me, it doesn't really do much. I can still feel the pain, and it lasts for about 15 minutes of like semi feeling okay. They really want, because, you know, they don't want to give you, like, opioids and stuff like that, which I understand. Sure. Um, and then, eventually, I say, can you give me the the good, the, the real strong stuff? Yeah. And then they want, they were going to try to give me the real strong stuff, but I've had that before, and it made me really sick. So, this sounds crazy. Are you talking, like, fentanyl or whatever? Like, high-end? There's, there's fentanyl. I've had that. And then there's something called dilated, okay. which makes you feel like you're losing your mind and you don't feel pain, but you feel like you're <laughs> you feel crazy. Feel crazy. So I just went with the standard morphine, which they've been using in, in wars for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And that does the trick. And they use some prescriptions and then they let you leave the hospital. And you, you did, they hope you pass it. Um, so it might, it takes a while to pass because you said if you're listening matt texts me he's like hey you passed it i was like no these things they're slow moving they're like uh they're like amtrak trains they're not high high speed can you feel it moving through you it's like is it because i'm picturing is it like a shard a jagged collection of salt moving through your system and eventually you pee it out is that that's the hope. The hope. Yeah. But if they're too big, they get stuck. Oh, man. And it, when they get stuck, is they back up. So when they're in the kidney, they don't. There's no pain. 
when they drop out of the kidney and go towards the bladder, there's a tube called the ureter, and they can get stuck in that. The ureter? Yeah. Sounds like a <clears throat> position in the, in the judicial system. It, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I've had four of these, so I know all the terms and everything like that. The moose through your ureter. It's in your ureter, and it can get stuck there. Because your ureter is not, it's just, it's not supposed to have, like, rocks in it, essentially. Yeah, that makes sense. And sometimes they can grab onto it. And then what happens is, and I saw a, like, x-ray picture of this, is basically all the liquid that was going through your kidneys gets backed up. And it causes, like, acute pain. Oh. Yeah. So it's not just the pain of the, the rock passing through. It's yeah. It's the back up. The pressure of the... Yeah. Man. Yeah. Man. So how many days were you dealing with this? Really bad. About five. I was on those... I was on... And I got prescription drugs, and I was probably on those for about five, six days. Here's another kicker. They give you these prescription drugs, and they help. But the issue is they also give you very bad headaches for me. Oh. Oh. can't then take Tylenol, because Tylenol is mixed in with the drugs. And you so can't take you can't take Advil or Aleve because those are blood thinners, and then they want me to go and get a procedure done, and you can't do a procedure with blood thinners. I don't know if this is at all interesting for anyone listening, but this is what my life has been like. <laughs> so I'd have these horrible headaches. I would feel nauseous, and then I would yeah, couldn't get comfortable. I would have a pain come at random times throughout the day, night. Or we'd wake up every hour when I was sleeping. About. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. fun. I mean, yeah, that's not fun. Yeah. That's not fun. Yeah. When people, no. when, you, when you go to the hospital or the urology, they're like, this lady was like, I've had one of these. These are awful. Okay. We'll get, we'll take care of you. And I was like, thank you. Because I look pretty bad. I look rough. And this is your fourth, though. So you're an old. My fourth, you know. Uh, you know. Uh, hopefully, we don't get to five, but you never know. You worried? Um. Well, actually, I probably will get to five because they did an X-ray, and I have two other kidney stones in my left kidney. They're just dormant. You're waiting for They're dormant. Them. They're small. I could pass them hopefully without any too much pain. So. Can you do anything? Can you just like drink a bunch of water, Gatorade or something? Water. Some, some of them is diet. Yeah. You go go back on your vegan thing. Mm, spinach is bad, actually. Too much iron. I don't know. Just get too strong. Sure, produce these things. Do you think Popeye had a bunch of kidney stones? I would bet he would. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. I would bet some of the people in the book we're going to talk about tonight probably had kidney stones. Among other problems. Other problems, but gout. Gout. I would say gout, and I would say kidney stones. I would actually bet a lot of money that one of the characters that we're going to talk about had kidney stones. I bet Henry had a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Kidney stones. A couple other kidney stone things. So when you pass them, do you get to keep them? You can keep them. You can keep them. Uh, I do have a strainer. This is too much information, but I'll share with you. I'll share with the listener. Strainer? I have a strainer, yeah. Like, so you can put it on your... No, like, no, 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 no. To salt your meals? Think of, like, 
you're trying to I don't know how to put this. You're trying to save the stone so it doesn't go in the toilet. Oh, so you drain. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then what do you do with them once you keep them? Is there they, like an empty market or there you- is a black market where you can trade them and they're like NFTs. And like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like baseball cards or Yeah, you're like, oh what's this one made out of? You'd be like, you won't believe this, but there's a fleck of gold in there. Did you, yeah, mine kidney stone for... It's mercury, gold, sodium, cobalt, iron, cobalt, magnesium, aluminum. Oh. I made up some of those. Yeah. Keep you on your some foreign substance not known on this planet. I'm not even sure what it is. You'd feel special. I would feel special. Huh. If you turn around and accidentally ate it again, would it just, you go through the whole process? Uh, no, because I think it would go out a different way. Hmm. <laughs> yes, that's good. It wouldn't make its way back to the kidneys and your ureter. So did you know, so did you pass this one? Uh, so I did have a procedure that they were supposed to go in. I was lying down, I knocked me out, and then they blasted with like high energy sound waves. And it's supposed to like make it into dust, essentially. Yeah. And the doctor says, we did it. I think it went well. Usually you're supposed to see the dust on the x-ray. We didn't see it, but he can leave. So hopefully they did their job. Oh. <laughs> yeah, there we go. It's medical. Well, I was kind of hoping you'd pass it. I had your the uh, astrological chart of your kidney stone all pulled up. Oh, you do? But if you didn't pass it. I don't what? know. It was a gem. Your kidney stone is a Gemini. It'd be a Gemini. Be a Gemini, uh, ruled by Mercury. What would um, what Mercury. would hours be? What would it feel? What would my kidney stones give me some background? Well, because well, it was, yeah, it, it, it's a Gemini. Assuming it was what May thirty first, June first. Uh, ruled by how's Mercury. Mercury is in retrograde, um, uh, technically until June 18th. So this okay. is the time, of the time of the year to kind of do the inner work. Um, uh, I'm not sure what that means. The you mode can... of Gemini is mutable. Okay. So that's good. That's good. Um, house ruled is the third house. Element is air. The keyword is communicate. So I'm supposed to communicate with it? No, you're not. I mean, I think that, that's the kidney stones info. But once again, I think the point's moved because I'm still inside. still inside, yeah. And they didn't see the dust, so it's like dormant. Okay, I don't know where it is. I mean, well, I guess you can't feel it. That's good. Mm, we, my fiance patted me on the back, kind of like accidentally, mm-hmm. on my kidney, and I felt it. Yeah. Like three days ago. I was like, ooh, I almost fell to the ground. Because <laughs> they got both kidneys. Both kidneys right now are uh, on, on uh, bed rest sensitive. sensitive. Have I, have I, I, this might have been boring, but I think I, this is a like little. We got it. We got it, got it out of the way. We're, uh, we didn't fall off. We didn't just stop doing stuff. Yeah. 
I uh, I didn't get as much reading as I would have liked to have done. You yeah. think I would just be like lying around reading books, but uh, it's hard to read when you got stuff going on. When you got a stone, I didn't I didn't tell you because I didn't want to do like oh because you were like oh I got a kidney stone. I was like oh, I knew that was like really painful. Yeah. But I have my own little weird nerve thing going on. Oh, no. But I didn't want to like oh I also have. Oh no, come on, what's your but weird I, nerve thing? I think it was one of the first episodes we did. I talked about it. I, I getting old and stuff and, like I don't stretch enough or whatever and it just uh, a year or two ago my foot really hurt okay. like it felt like I pulled a muscle or something it really hurt and just went away after a couple days so that thing came back in my knee it felt like somebody took a hammer to my knee what's going on with you it was, it was weird so for two like I couldn't sleep I woke up in the middle of the night and had to like ice my knee and just lay on the couch. How old are we? So I, I know, right? It made me nervous because I didn't. So I would have thought I tore it or something, but it, you know, I didn't. I knew Is I it. Didn't. How are you feeling now? Good, better. It was just two days, but then my family got sick. My kid had the flu, so it was like all this stuff kind of combined. Weird. And so I didn't read a lot either because you just kind of like. Uh, you know, up at three, like I wouldn't have retained anything. Yeah. I watched the rest of Lincoln Lawyer on Netflix. How I watched this German show. Lincoln Lawyer's good. It's good. Uh, I watched this German show called Barbarians about Rome. It's right up your alley. That's good. It was, it was so that was fun. Uh, but oh yeah, I brought it up to say, so all this stuff's going down. I hesitate to mention it, but so right before all this started happening, like a day or two before, I'm in a, a Panera Bread, yeah, having a cup of coffee, working on my screenplay, gotcha. laptop, right? Uh-huh. And I really have to go to the bathroom. I got to pee because I'm drinking a lot of coffee. There's a ladder positioned right in front of the door, like they're doing ceiling work. Somebody's up in the ceiling. Okay. So if you get into the bathroom, you have to walk under the ladder. That seems dangerous. And I knew... It's like, hey, you're not supposed to walk under ladders, but I really had to pace. So I, and I hesitantly, I did it. I walked under the ladder. It's like, eh, hopefully this doesn't come back to... And then everything fell and apart. And everything fell like apart. The next day. So, you probably shouldn't have told me that. It's uh, I apologize. I apologize to everybody. And on that note, welcome to There Will Be Books, a podcast about books, kidney stone, nerve damage. I'm Peter, joined as always by Matt. Whew. I feel like we've just been we've been beaten down, Matt. We've been uh yeah. you know, just it's not but but we have a great book to talk about tonight, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Uh this is one of our seasonal books that we pick throughout the year that we uh, give ourselves a couple months to read and tonight we are going to talk about sometimes a great notion by ken kesey um most famously i would say he's known for one flew over the cuckoo's nest but i had heard from a couple people that this was one of their favorite books um kind of people that were a little bit older than me um kind of my parents age i think they probably read this if not when it came out, soon after it came out, and it stuck with them. And I, I feel like as a English 
college graduate, I never heard about this book as like, oh, you need to read this book. It was not not on any sort of list that I saw. I didn't have any professors kind of bring it up in class. I read One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest in college as for, sort of like a writing prompt, but this book uh, wasn't really mentioned. What is, uh, so that's my background with kind of not really hearing a lot about this book. What's your experience with this book, Matt? I, about the same, I hadn't read it. I'd heard of it. I knew about Kesey through Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test. I think there's a lot of other people know about him through that. He's a character in mm. Tom's book. Um, I always kind of thought of him as a, a hippie type guy, like a proto hippie. Um, one of the guys who took the baton from Kerouac. Yeah. Transition from, you know, the, the boots to the hippies. And um, I've always been meant to read it. I hadn't. Um, I knew I read a bunch of interviews with Ken Kesey. He always seemed like an interesting guy. This is actually the first Ken Kesey I've read. And um, yeah, that's kind of what I went into it as. Like knew his reputation as a good author. Um, I was eager to see. And what were after reading it, where we stand in here? Because in my opinion, like straight up, this is like one of the best, you know how they say like, oh, the great American books of like you know say 20th century or whatever i feel like this book could should be on a list like that it's like top five it's good yeah it's good yeah and it it um it's a book i think that's led by its prose and its writing because the book is a very long book but it is it's dense but it's highly readable it has this energy to it. I don't know if you like felt that where you're, you're just like kind of swept along. I had this idea of like, if I was to write a college paper about this book, it would, it would kind of, I thought it'd be about sort of the setting of this book kind of takes, it takes place in Oregon, this family, the Stamper family, there's this river that kind of runs through it. They're loggers. We'll get more into the, like the plot, but it sort of felt like you were just thrown into a river of prose and characters and story and like backstory and you kind of you were just kind of floating amongst everything oh yeah that's good and you would kind of here's a story because it's not stream of consciousness i would say it's the story bounces in certain parts from character to character and you're in different characters heads and I, i i don't it might be like technically stream of consciousness, but it felt more like a flow energy to the Yeah, that's a better way of saying it. Stream of consciousness makes it seem like it's harder to follow than it was. Yeah. It's not too difficult. But the, it, the narrative shifts sometimes without warning. Mm-hmm. But the voices are distinct enough. You can kind of, or I found I could kind of keep up with it. Yeah. But, do you want to do a quick... Um, kind of plot synopsis of this book for people yeah, that have not read it set the stage see what yeah so we our main family is the stamper family uh a logging family in what's it wakanda oregon kind of no, this, this i think it's a made-up town but it could be any smallish yeah town. in the pacific northwest and we it, when we enter this the town um they are an independent logging family 
the Stamper family is an independent logging. The Stamper family is. The town they live in is a logging town, but they're union. Yes. And the town is on strike and they want the Stampers to join in with their strike to make it effective. Mm-hmm. The Stampers are stubborn and value them their image as being independent, their self-image as being independent, and they refuse to go on strike with the town. Yes. So there's that, there's that from the right, from the very beginning, there's this conflict of the Stamper family in the town. And it's it's kind of it's it's literal too, because there is a divide. The river, the Stamper family is on one side of the river. To get to their house, you have to take a, like a little boat across. It's yeah. not. There's no. They're 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 isolated. You almost have to go see them. It's mm-hmm. almost like a ritual where you have to go and approach them. And they're, I would, they're, yeah, very strong minded. Yeah. Kind. Of, they're stubborn. stubborn, dynamic. Yes, all those kind of things. Very stubborn. And the story then leads from there. Well, I get. I would guess the next big thing is. One of, we have Henry Stamper, the sort of older patriarch patriarch of, of the Stamper family. His son, Hank, is sort of the next in line. He has his own issues, but he sort of like runs the. He's also kind of a tough, big, tough guy. Mm-hmm. He's going to inherit the business. He runs it. Um, yeah. And then, in, and he's married to uh, Viv. Uh, they have a cousin joe bean who lives with them with his wife and, and family but sort of the the catalyst to their like internal strife is one of the other sons leland stamper coming back to oregon yeah there's like a um, prodigal son element um so hank is old henry is the patriarch hank and hank jr you know is, is the son who runs it with his friend and cousin joe ben and his family they all live in this house off the river. A very cool house, by the way. Yes. Google pictures of the, the Stamper house. is very cool. And then there's a younger, like about 10, 15 years, like a younger brother. Old Hank um, married a much younger woman later in life and had another younger kid. So there's a big age difference between Hank Jr. and, and Leland. Leland Stamper. And Leland is the intellectual uh, sensitive intellectual type went off to college and at the beginning of the book we're introduced to Leland as he kind of had a, a nervous breakdown and is going back to college to uh what do you call it sort things out you can tell he's upset and he wants to get revenge on his older brother Hank and so that's kind of the element so the, the prodigal son's returning home to have it out with his older brother who he doesn't like in the midst of the strike and that's kind of that's the scene you know from so yeah it's it's a novel of conflict it's just the stamper family versus the town town. the union there's a union boss there's um there's also it kind of at some points there's other stamper family members that aren't kind of they're kind of on the outside looking in as far as the story is concerned but they kind of have conflict with um henry and hank yeah. and stuff like that it's and then it's it's the internal strife there that i would think it's it's more of an internal family revenge conflict story. yeah the hank leland mm-hmm. drama 
there's a little bit of uh, loggers and man versus nature. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of different elements of conflict kind of woven throughout. It's a bit Shakespearean as far as mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. big figures. These are like, these aren't meek characters. I would say these are um, aggressive, very flawed guys who I don't think you're going to be attached to so much, but you care. I think you, Kesey does a great job of making you invested in their lives, I guess. I didn't mind Hank. I mean, I saw how flawed he was, but I, I kind of liked Hank. Uh, well, and I, I saw him as a flaw, like a, Shakes, a flawed Shakespearean, almost like Greek mm-hmm. or like a biblical or a, a, like a, a, well, yeah. a, a larger than life character with his own flaws, with his own fatal flaws. But he I saw him as the tragic hero. And I frankly saw Lee, Leland as the, the villain. I didn't like. Yeah, I didn't I, 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 I didn't. I thought Leland had. He he was i thought he was i i can kind of see where you're coming from but he didn't bother me and i I enjoyed his sort of there's points in the book where it's it's sort of set up that leland's for revenge i don't know if we want to spoil that exactly why he's coming back for revenge it's kind of a yeah it's not a big secret but yeah he just he's he's got his own reasons he's got his own reasons we we won't divulge because i thought i thought they were kind of um yeah, it's a, he's an interesting character. I just I don't know, he got on. But he sometimes I like the dynamic of him trying to like prove himself to Hank. That, that okay? I guess we can that that would go to the heart of my issue with Leland, okay. and I don't know why I, I noticed it so much now. I might not have noticed it had I read this in college. But Leland kind of externalizes his own internal problem. He's got issues that he needs to mm-hmm. solve. And what he does is he focuses all the stuff, all the things that he needs to sort out in his own life. He focuses them on Hank and he's convinced he needs to get revenge on Hank. And he's kind of like a sneaky, he tries to, part of his revenge plan is to seduce Hank's wife away from him. Like he's, you know, so he's kind of that type of sleep. It's not like I'm going to go punch him in the face and get revenge. And it's a sneakier Shakespeare Iago villain type of revenge but anyway but the the point is he's mistaken in assuming that Hank is the root of all his problems he's taken all his internal stuff and projected it onto Hank and what he needs to figure out and you can almost make the argument he kind of does at the end he's not irredeemable yeah but what he needs to do is kind of work on himself you know what I mean? Pardon the uh, new agey, but you know what I mean? It, going back to Oregon and having it out with his family can be healthy. It's probably a necessary step, but it can't just be, I'm going to get revenge on Hank because Hank didn't ruin Leland's life. Right. Hank just was who he was. Leland had a rough go of it. And my point is he's, he's externalizing all his anger onto Hank when he really needs to by going back and throwing himself into logging and whatever he'll work through and he'll wind up becoming the new person he needs to become. Mm-hmm. But he went about it in kind of, he was sneaky, underhanded, you're in his head and it's kind of gross and not appealing. 
I didn't. I didn't. I had a little bit more sympathy for him than you did. I. He didn't. He's like a Poe character, like you know the the cask of Montiago. Okay. That that story where the guy walls up the. You know what I mean? He's in the the character is so creepy in his head about being slighted. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like he's to the rest of the world. You would seem crazy. I see what you're saying. Like just the rest of the world, you'd seem crazy. It's like that's that's such like a little nothing thing and you just blown it up in your head. He was kind of like that. Yeah. There's, um, I would say this book does a really good, good job. And it's, um, it's like the, the simmer between Hank Mm -hmm. and Leland. It's this, it's this, they know each other kind of better than you would think. And they, they kind of suss each other out sort of kind of, between Hank's wife Vivian and yeah, and there's just this tension, and you would think Hank would snap, and he kind of eventually, you know, the the story kind of leads that way, but it it kind of the way he draws it out, and it's like it's not this. You're just waiting for the tension to snap, and then there's seeing, something to happen, yeah. something to happen, some some, and, it, and with a book like this, it you kind of feel like it has to be a physical thing, right? because mm-hmm. uh, um, it's just the nature of these characters and their jobs and how they kind of release tension or like ang- yeah. it's a, a, like a physical thing well and, then, and i think yeah. the book does that just so well it just draws out the the tension mm-hmm. of these characters and sort of the characters will like let's say hank he kind of figures out what leland's up to but there's not this like immediate reaction and i think that's something that i think I really liked about the book that the reactions are not always immediate and they are delayed, which I think is kind of realistic in some ways where yeah, yeah, people you know, often are trying to figure out their feelings or what they're going to do. And this book that highlights like how people do that in real life, like excellent. It's or you, tremendous. you suspect something, but it doesn't mean you're going to go, like, go confront the person right away. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it crosses your mind. Like is my, my stupid younger brother trying to seduce my wife surely not and then you just kind of keep an eye you know but even leland can sense like danger danger and like he has this voice in his head that's telling him like he's going to kill you if you keep up with this he's going he wants to kill you because he's a little worm leland Leland explicitly sees it as a game too he doesn't care as much for vivian he's not like some romantic heartsick person who's in love with her he he explicitly sees going after vivian as part of his revenge he sees uh, it as a game so but my but it is well drawn it's good drawn. Yes. and um, he, he consciously he he references shakespeare every now and again mm. like it's offhand when leland's uh at the beginning when he's coming back uh leland's kind of musing on hamlet you know, when Leland Hamlet came back to get revenge, you know, for his family. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really enjoy. There's sometimes that the book turns into this like this sort of secondary or side characters of the town itself. You kind of mm-hmm. get these glimpses into these people's lives. It flushes out the setting. It flushes out the town where these people are. It's not just just family with an occasional. He sometimes will go in depth with a variety of different characters with their own yeah. issues. Like the theater owner? The, the theater owner. Yeah. Um, 
the bar, all these kind of different elements that kind of, because it's, it's the Stanford family and this, this conflict of a union that wants them to stop vlogging, but it's also, it feels like a, a character study of a town, I guess. If, I don't know if that's the right phrasing of it, but the town itself is, feels like a living, breathing thing that oftentimes is like on its last legs, that it feels like it's dying. And that's like, a, I feel like an important element to the book too, where the, the, the region, the town itself, how weather affects everything, is just like this really great picture of what, you know, what this this time and area are like. I don't know. I just thought it was like brilliantly done. Like I saw some critique. I think it was Tom Wolf said that this book was like overwritten and was like not a success. Yeah, I could kind of see how some of it you could come to that because it's I mean, he is writing. It feels like everything is coming out of him. At the, in no, this book. I didn't feel it was overwritten. I I completely disagree with that, but I oh I can I can get I can see where you could kind of get that criticism. But for me personally, I think it's just some of the best prose I've ever read. Yeah, no, I'm period. period. And not Tom Wolf in his little white suit. <laughs> so no, and I <clears throat> some of the interviews Casey gave, he talked about he would write like 30 hours at a time sometimes. So. It's just it, it it it's weird to say this, but you feel the energy of kind of almost like the exertion that he is doing. It just it seems like a daunting task when you're reading this to have written this book. Oh yeah, does that make sense? Like yeah. just the style, the choices he makes. It it just seems like a, a, like a professional, like hardworking author. Yeah could would only be able to write this and it sometimes feels like when he sees some read something maybe a little bit slimmer and like less flushed out it's like well did the author choose that for a purpose or did they just not want to do the did they not have the energy the energy or maybe even like the talent to go farther i don't know well and kesey didn't write another novel for 30 years i saw an old i found an old clip of him on charlie rose mm-hmm 92 promoting his new one and charlie rose asked him he was like why why so long and he's like ah writing's kind of a young man's game it's uh he's like I, he said I, I i would write sometimes for 30 hours in one go and just all this stuff coming at you and i just mm-hmm. don't you know as you get older you just don't have that so you yeah. know you hear some authors say like they have like one or two great books in them and now who knows if that's true or not but he has one flew to cuckoo's nest and then sometimes a great notion I read both. I would say sometimes a great notion should be as like pinnacle. Magnum opus. Because it's just, it's hard to explain like how like you get swept up in this book and it's sort of like it encompasses you when you like just the prose and the story and these very like memorable characters. I'm sure at the end of the year, we'll have some of these characters and are, you know, kind of when we do our like year end review talking about characters. Yeah, these characters will be in that book. It reminded me of these characters are as strong as uh, Larry McMurtry and like Lonesome Dove. Is that any sense? Like those those kind of personalities. They're not similar, like one to one type things. But they're just you. You'll remember them, right? I was 
comparing to London Dove a little earlier when I was thinking about it. Really? It kind of is a pleasant to dip into. Mm-hmm. There are different types of stories, but this is a pleasant little world to, to visit. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. he's good at creating an atmosphere. Just kind of feel like you're in uh, rainy Oregon, surrounded by trees. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, for me personally, it's a, one of the, my highest recommends I've had while doing this podcast. I wouldn't say it tops the kind of Monte Cristo. I still think that's uh, probably my favorite book we've read on the podcast. I think probably, um, but it's up there with the Wicked Pavilion and books of that nature. So I just, I just, I don't know. I wish I had read it. I kind of wish I had read it in college, to be honest with you. It does seem like a good college. Seems like a good college book, right? Probably identify with Leland more when you're that age. Um, let's see here. What do you think of the character Viv? I liked her. Yeah. See where she's kind of coming from. You get a good backstory on her. Yeah, why I was. She, why she's with Hank? It makes sense. Um, I, I kind of like how the ending of with her kind of takes place. And that makes sense too. What her ultimate mm-hmm. decision on what? And I, I don't want to get into any spoilers, but I thought that the ending kind of plays into the. Did you get a feeling that like these characters, the Stanford, the characters in the Stanford family are like kind of like mythical in some weird way? Mm-hmm. Like I the, the townspeople to are like, un, like, don't believe anything that they do almost. Yeah, they are. They are kind of mythic. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and the- I was going to, it, it kind of goes back to how I was talking about how Lee sees Hank. The town people also see Hank like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the, the other themes Hank is kind of the big tough guy that's his reputation right and so in the flashbacks to Hank as a kid or in high school he was always the biggest toughest guy in town and so people would uh, a new kid in town who found fancied himself tough would like go find Hank and they'd fight mm-hmm. and that's Hank's reputation as a guy who gleefully embraces that but you get into Hank's head and you realize he doesn't like doing that. He knows he's got to put on an image, but he actually doesn't like being king of the hill and having people come to challenge him all the time. He doesn't relish it, but he plays his part because that's kind of who he is, which is another kind of Greek tragic element to it. You know, you kind of play your part. And, and that's, I think that's also what makes Leland's vendetta for him once you know how hank feels about things you know he's not a big dumb brute that's just kind of his lot in life is to act like that it makes leland's thing all the more that misguided when you realize he's that's a good point yeah so but and then that's that one of the big themes on that is how the townspeople and leland misread hank you know what i mean hank's more sensitive than his public persona lets on so when We'll flirt with minor spoilers here, but Willard Eggleston, the yeah. theater owner, as the strike draws on and on, uh, the town people don't have money coming in because they're on strike. And so they start to associate all their misfortunes with the stampers. They're upset at the stampers. They think every you know uh, the strike would be over by then if the stampers joined in 
the strike, it'd be over, the, the corporation would have caved and all that. So as things get worse and worse, the stampers bear the brunt of, uh, you know, the townspeople's ire. And so a down-on-his-luck theater owner, Willard Eggleston, calls Hank up and says, I'm going to commit suicide. I'm going to kill myself, and it's going to be your fault. Mm-hmm. And Hank is like, oh, you know, like... that's a shame doesn't really try to talk him out of it and Eggleston's like perplexed he's like you don't feel bad and he's like what do you want from me guy you know like what do you (laughs) but that's just another element of that's how the townspeople see Hank and I really did see that as kind of that was really weak and cowardly of Eggleston to do that you know what I mean to kind of pour on but that that is just Hank's lot in life is to be that guy like it or not and i don't think he really likes it but that's how everybody treats him. i think it, it part of it too is how he had to kind of henry stamper's not an easy person to live with i feel like the dad the yeah. old henry yeah, yeah. the old henry yeah. so i think there's a bit of it that he's taken on this persona and it's partly because of like the place in town i think he if you stay there and have this like independent thing i think it, partly he asked if this is the kind of life he's chosen the role he's chosen and I, I think it's kind of interesting to think about maybe do you think i don't know if there's anything in the book do you think he's like slightly jealous that leland left to go be something maybe. else maybe i don't know it's just maybe yeah it's an interesting idea because he he kind of like the east coast mm-hmm. well, I think- guy coming back to work at the beginning he is kind of aghast at leland's back yeah i i think he kind of know knew the logging life wasn't for leland Mm -hmm. at least the leland he he knew growing up so he is he was kind of if i remember right he is kind of confused at the beginning but why are you back here you know no you make good points about hank no i mean hank's not a big dumb brute no no i more to him than he's not perfect but there's more to him than than Leland and the townspeople's projections on him. That's true. And I think um, part of the, with Hank, I think what people kind of, I think there's a lot of just down on their luck people in the town, even in in his own sort of family, like Joe Bean. There's just a lot of, it doesn't seem like an environment for a lot of success for people. Well, that and he's, it's not all his fault. Their misfortune isn't all his fault, but he bears the brunt of it. Right? Yeah. Fair or not. Yeah. That, that's kind of his lot. Okay. And he was raised old Henry, you know, and whatever expectations of society, you know, he's raised to kind of bear it without complaining. But you're in that's his head and you can see like he doesn't really, it's not like he relishes it. Um, do you want to, we watched the movie of, um, sometimes a great notion from, I believe it was 1971, 1972, 70, 71, yeah. Paul Newman. Yeah. Paul Newman is Hank. Direct, directed it. Stars as Hank, Henry Fonda as the, uh, father, um, Leland's playing by an actor. I did not know. He did a good job though. I thought they cast him pretty well. Um, I just thought it's a, it, People say it's a, like the movie a lot. I thought it was an okay adaptation. 
I think what you lose a, a lot in the movie for me personally is just the just the the scope of the story in the book. Just the yeah depth yeah. look and it's it's a hard I it's a hard book to kind of translate into the movies because so much of it is in your in our characters' heads, like their feelings and thoughts and stuff. Yeah, like that. yeah. Um surprisingly for how long of a book it is there's not that many huge set pieces does that make sense there is but it's not like you would think there would be more i don't know more plot i guess yeah there's not a lot of traditional story beats yeah like you're kind of marinating in the drama and slowly turning the heat up Mm on the tension but there's not your traditional plot, plot so for a movie um it's kind of hard because you you kind of need that in a movie to make it mm-hmm. flow so I, they, they made some choices there but i just think i prefer the sort of the marinating in the characters heads that the book does versus the i think paul newman's actually really good hank uh, yeah me too he, yeah. i didn't have any issues with the casting i just prefer the the story how it is in the book versus Oh, me too. The book's better. But if they're going to do a movie, I think they found the movie in the book, but it's not a one-to-one. You can't make a movie out of the book. It would have to be one of those long miniseries. But even then, I don't think they should do it. No, I, I yeah, but, I don't think. But yeah. they changed a lot. It's different. I think there's a more upbeat ending and everything in the movie. But I enjoyed it for what it was. They, it had. It, I thought it had a strange soundtrack. <laughs> like, yeah, that like yeah. that music. There was some like upbeat. Like, oh, we're just like. I never mm-hmm. got that sense in the book. Like, people were upbeat and happy. And they they changed Leland's role a little bit. He was he was always out logging with the family. He wasn't though. When the in the book, no, in the book, yeah. he another one of his his many faults is he fakes sick <laughs> yeah, to get away for to go out log. He's he's. no he spoilers spoilers for the book in the book leland as his revenge kind of comes to a head and he's about to seduce vivian um leland's been faking sick to avoid going out logging hank his best friend joe ben uh spoilers dies gets gets stuck under a log tragic scene river. really good scene in the movie too very good scene it's one of the better scenes in the movie and the book it's very affecting so hank's best friend just died in his literally died in his arms their dad is yep. in the hospital about to die uh the townspeople just kicked the crap out of hank <laughs> all this stuff's going on Hank comes home to find his brother has seduced his wife. And then you're in Leland's head. And Leland, unaware of all this, is so excited to walk in and give Hank this line that he's been building up in his head. He can't wait to say to Hank, boy, must have been something real rich, bub. Like that, he just can't wait. And so all this stuff had happened to Hank and your Leland just waltzes in all smuggling his like boy it must have been something real rich it, i mean it's funny just the discon this the the disconnect between why did just happen to hank you hate leland and leland <laughs> boy it must have been something real rich bub like i just watched my best friend die <laughs> like, 
hey, hey. Uh, I, okay. I mean, <laughs> there's no. Def- how do you? I know. Hey, I. Well, I mean. Okay. But that's his role. It's a, it, you know, whatever. He's Hank. Hank, Hank doesn't have a, a clean past either, too. So it's, no, okay. But, but um, mean, well, yeah. My one comment about the um, the movie that I really enjoyed at the very end is yeah. I didn't quite understand how they move logs until I saw it in the movie. So some <laughs> of the fun part of the movie. Is not to do with the book or anything, but this the logging scenes. Was oh, inter- I was like, oh, that's interesting. They cut down like a thousand trees in this movie. And you see how they do <laughs> it and just the mechanics of it and how they hook the cables up and how they move the logs down the river. It was, it was interesting. I mean, I was thinking, could they make this movie like they made it like today? Probably not, because I don't think they could get the permission. To, they, it feels like they cut down a lot of trees while making this movie. Yeah. You get that well, sense? And it happened. Maybe, maybe these trees were already going to be cut down and they just like got Paul Newman. And it, it felt. I would imagine they got a zone that was going to be logged anyway. Okay. Yeah, probably. He filmed in. I mean, it almost has to be. But that was an interesting aspect of the movie. That might have been my favorite part when I saw them dragging the. How they did that. I was like, oh, it's very clever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's how that. It's hard to like visualize that and write that kind of thing. Like, you have mm-hmm. all these logs, and then you have this. They're in the, these little corrals kind of thing of, of logs, and they're kind of tied together. And you have a tugboat, and I was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, because like, in my mind, I thought they were just like all like free in the river. I, honestly, I imagined them like rolling like old timey lumberjacks, like standing on the logs, yeah, themselves with big old poles, and like I know what I imagined and what I saw them. I was like, "Oh, that makes more sense in the movie." Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, that, that was interesting and i was like i they had way more logs than i thought they had mm-hmm. in the mo- i was like oh they have a ton of logs anyway you and i are not uh loggers i think is uh i don't think i either i wouldn't log- cut it as a logger i wouldn't make it you ever you ever used a chainsaw before mm, i think so yeah. no well, i have never used a chainsaw so i think you have a one-up if you if no, you, not for any any yeah. cut a tree down no so if a, a log rolled on to me could you would you just be like i you're gone buddy i mean probably probably yeah i was trying I, to think of stuff to do an axe maybe maybe i try to find an axe that's a pretty big tree though hold on it's a huge tree <laughs> Very that big was tree. kind of scary you, you put yourself in joe ben situation <sighs> This is an accident, and he's in like shallow water. His head's above water, but he's stuck under this big, what thousand pound, like a big, oh, big tree yeah. log tree trunk. And uh, Hank tries to use his chainsaw to saw it to free up Joe Ben, but the the chainsaw gets waterlogged. It's just too big of a. So he's got to sit there, and the tide, the, the water comes up. Very sad. Very moving. Yeah. Kind but yeah, I don't know. I guess you try to get an axe, but. I mean, that might not even work it's just i think you would just i would you probably pass out from the initial crush oh that oh long. yeah so but and joe ben was just kind of barely He's stuck cracking but eventually, jokes. Yeah. yeah 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 that was a bummer no it was um the thing with the the severed hand giving the townspeople a finger was pretty funny though i like that man yeah. 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 Oh, you can't make the case that the stampers were wrong though 
morally, you can make the case they should have joined in the strike. They're not heroes for, you know, it's one of the things that makes them flawed. They are kind of being selfish. They probably should have. Yeah. Yeah. There's like, also, in the book, it felt like there's like four of them logging at most right and then the book it felt like they added a couple people to make it seem like but it always kind of felt like well three guys towards the end it it literally was i think at the beginning they got a whole crew yeah as things go on people get tired of the strike people the townspeople really do start giving the cold shoulder they start damaging the fights they can't go out to the bars or whatever because the townspeople start fighting them but the I also like a book too where there's like no easy answers. Yeah. Keezy doesn't really settle like, oh, this is how you should feel. This is how I feel. Yeah, it's just who they are. It's, They're, it's, yeah. These are the characters I've created. This is their story. You, you, is should, you should have conflicted feelings, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. That is life. And I think, and the argument would be the Stampers felt like, the townspeople didn't really help them build their business. So yeah. why I why do we owe them anything? No. Which, no it's, once again, I don't really agree with, but it, it it makes sense that these people would do that. Yeah. You know. But high recommend uh, from both of us. So if you if you have sometimes a great notion, uh, I know my friend John who listens to the podcast, I think he has this book on his TBR. If you're listening, John, read this book. Yeah, give it a shot. Um it's a great book. So that is sometimes a great notion by Ken Kesey. That was our seasonal book. Um, Matt, do you have any other thoughts before I go into our what we're, well, else we're reading right now? Yeah, well, I was thinking I kind of like my college paper on this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I necessarily believe it or think Kesey was going for it. But if I had to write a 20 page paper, what would be fun for me to do? I think I would do the stampers as America and make that kind of like the, they're the stand in for the rugged American frontier spirit and have that be my paper. Regardless. Yeah. I think there's more going on to it, but there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of meat on the bone as far as like, um, not theories, but like delving into a subject in this book. Yeah. Like there's like the small town America dynamic of people and there's a lot of passages that deal with that. Like what makes, you know, why does a bar, why, why do people go to a bar at a certain time? <laughs> like, is it during times of happiness? Is it during times of like when people are down? I don't know. There's a lot of different things that you can look at in this book. Um, but that's something I thought about too, like how the Stamper family represents america in the 1960s yeah I yeah even america historically so yeah. i go through all that that would be my, that my would be paper to get yeah. me from a 20 page paper it would, it would be yeah i think this should be if you're a teacher assign this book and there's you could see a lot of different kind of paper. oh yeah it'd be fascinating to see yeah uh, I'll bring it up as food for thought. We don't have to go down the rabbit hole right now. Yeah. But in uh, Kesey's interview with Charlie Rose, Kesey was talking about how he and Mailer would sit down and talk about uh, it's their theory. Kesey and Mailer are talking about how American writers tend not to get better as they age. Oh. They called it the Hemingway hump. 
they have a lot of success younger and they seem to either kind of just keep going at a flat level or get worse. But he said, with the exception of Eudora Welty, actually, mm. uh, they tend, American writers don't improve with age. And I was like, is that true? So that was fun to kick around. It's like, yeah, a lot of them have success early and kind of. Well, it's, I think it's, it has something to do with ego, maybe. And uh, yeah, the time that they were writing where they became yeah cult-like figures in their own kind of like profession yeah. yeah probably didn't get edited as much probably didn't get like revision i don't know there's probably that, or i i don't know i don't know but that i hadn't heard that articulated and i was like yeah maybe okay. and, and it's interesting to hear mailer especially mailer not kesey mm-hmm. uh mailer admit that about himself that's interesting that's yeah so, but food for thought food for thought send us in if you can think of an american writer uh american writer too charlie rose was like what about tolstoy he says like well he's not american <laughs> but uh yeah if you can think of an american writer who gets better with age let us know definitely and let us know if you've read this book uh at some point in your life and what your uh, what do you think what your what your thoughts are um let's go through our tbr wrap up the episode here so right now we just finished Sometimes Great Notion, which was a seasonal book for us. Our May books are Masters of Atlantis by Charles Portis and Summer Lightning by P.G. Woodhouse. So those are our two May books. If you're thinking about reading one or the other, Masters of Atlantis was kind of like our official pick, but Summer Lightning is a book we'll also discuss by P.G. Woodhouse. Have you started that yet? Masters of Atlantis? No, uh, P.G. Woodhouse. I've not started the P.G. Woodhouse. I'm almost done with Masters of Atlantis. Okay, nice. F- funny book. Very funny book, but also, I think there's some commentary that he's doing here about, like... Oh, yeah, he's a good writer. Yeah, there's there was more than just, like, uh, straight-up humor in the book, so... Yeah, yeah. Well, that'd be fun to get into. And I was going to say, P.G. Woodhouse uh, might be just the type of thing to help you coalesce from kidney stones. Hopefully. Hopefully, I'm looking forward to getting back into my good reading flow and stuff like that. So hopefully, we're on our way there. Uh, we also have the Persian Expedition by Xenophon, Xenophon, uh, that we still need to do an episode on. We have Black Leopard, Red Wolf by Marlon James. I'm behind on that one. That's a seasonal one too. If you're here, mini seasonal. seasonal. Our yearly one is Life and Fate, um, and I think that's all the books that we have on our TBR. Yeah. Correct. And you know, yeah, uh, yeah. The baseball, no thriller. Oh, thriller. thriller. Silent yeah. Patient is our book that we're reading over on our Patreon as part of our Thriller Book Club. So if you're curious, uh, we can join us over there, and uh, we'll be discussing that book this summer um, as we read it. So in the future, we still have a June book to pick. And and yeah. a new seasonal one. And a new seasonal one. So that's, can't wait to add more. Yeah, so we will be adding more books to our TBR, but we have a full slate as always. Um, Matt, any final thoughts tonight? Watch out, drink plenty of water. I was going to say, drink water. That's Gatorade, does that add to the... Water, just do water, lemon water if you can. So yeah, if you if you learn anything from this episode, is kidney stones hurt, 
Sometimes Great Notion is a great book and drink plenty of water. Don't walk under ladders. That, that too. Uh, and we will talk to you guys soon. Thank you.